All right, let's talk NBA draft postmortem. Anyway, we have the weekend to digest, and we're going to run through it. Uh, just a couple surprises and stuff. So first, as I've said, until I'm blue in the face, um, Pablo Bancaro is going to be hes going to be solid for Orlando. I mean, he's going to pick up numbers. I don't think he's going to correlate to how much is winning. Chad Holmgren was, should have been the unequivocal number one in this draft. This it was crazy that he didn't go one, honestly. Like, if his name was, you know, Chris Jackson, and he wasn't like a goofy-looking white guy, I think he... I think he goes one. But, look, in fact, you talk about the build and the slimness. I mean, him and Jabari Smith, who people thought were going one, are, like, similar to that. And I didn't hear that as a weakness so much for Smith as it was for Chet. Look, he doesn't have a flaw. OKC is going to start something here, similar to what they did with KD and Westbrook. It's not going to happen overnight. I think if they're relatively healthy... It's, um, they'll be good if they're relatively healthy. I think they're going to flirt with a play-in. I don't think they're going to get one, but I think they're going to have a nice competitive year. And, you know, Orlando's going to struggle. And Bancaro will have high usage. He might win Rookie of the Year. He's going to put up numbers. I think he's going to put up at least, like, eight, you know, he's going to score between 17 and 19. They'll give you, like, 19 and 9. And people are like, well, you know, it was the right pick. Not a bad call. Similar to like when Trey Young, you know, the whole Trey Young versus Luca thing. Young's still good, so Bonacaro can still be good, but Chet, I think, has a chance to be really special. So I don't, I don't think Orlando did well, right? Like I think actually they, they get an F for me because they, while they got a, a, a decent guy, there was an obvious number one they didn't get, so I don't think they did well. So going through the grades here, um, okay, see, I thought that fine. They got the best guy in the draft, obviously, and then getting Usman Jiang. Let's see. I don't know. I mean, you got to get some surefire things. Like, I get keep going for the home run, but let's hit a couple of doubles here, right? And I, and I personally believe if OKC would have been better off just getting A.J. Griffin, they have Dort there. And now you're going to have salt, guys who you know are going to be good rotational players around Chet, Shy, and Giddy. And Giddy's an awkward fit, let's be honest. Not perfect. Not the best fit there. So, fine. So considering that, right, Jeez. I think, um, you know, again, I don't think it was the the best thing for Orlando to do. Houston with Smith, I mean, look, they got the guy who's supposed to go one at three, apparently. That's fine. I'm fine with that. He actually makes a lot of sense for their team. I actually think this was a, a big win for Houston, right? Because they got Bancaro, they're trying to develop Sanguine, they just traded Christian Wood. You know, they're going to start seeing good at the five, right? And now, um, Jabari Smith really fits as a spacing big. So you can play the three or the four opposite Tate. So you can run a, a front court of Sanguine, Smith, and Tate. Pretty good defensively, good two-way front court. And you got Green and KPJ in the backcourt. That's not bad. That's not only good talent, that's good fit. And look, I'll say this. Fit matters. I know people are like, you got to drive best player available. The best player is subjective, Okay. The best player is usually the player who's both really good and in the perfect situation to be successful. So if you're drafting a guy, unless he's like worlds better talent-wise, if it's close, you take the better fit. And that's where I go to Sacramento at four. A-plus for the Kings, right? A lot of GMs there take Jaden Ivey, and I get it. 
I get it. He looks like John Morant, literally, physically, right? They both have the, the hairdo. Similar size and stuff. But again, he's a combo guard. To me, that could be Rodney Stuckey, right? His assist rate was only 19% in college. If you're a point guard, that's not great. His turnovers was a bit high. He's got a little Steve Francis in him. Okay, like, I get it, right? But if you're Sacramento, you just got Sabonis, who's going to need the ball. You have Fox, who needs the ball. So then where's Ivy going to play? Plus, you have Mitchell. It's super awkward. You're putting management and coaching in, a, in an awkward position right off the bat. It is not a good fit. And then Ivy was also not excited about going there. So Sacramento, the perfect fit was Keegan Murray. He's, he's a guy who can play both on and off the ball. Kind of reminds me of a Paul George-Danny Granger hybrid. You have Sabonis at the five, and now you have Murray at the four and Barnes at the three, either one at, at forward spots. That's a nice front court. Now you got something. Keegan Murray, I, I think, was the second best player in this draft. And definitely like the nerd's dream, right? He, he was super efficient in college, 62% true shooting, uh, 0.238 win shares per, per 48, which, which was second to Chet. And defensively, he was a stud, right? Defensive win shares were, were a big part of that. Stocks were good. Steel percentage and block percentage, both over two and a half. One of the only few guys to do that in this draft class. So, yeah. I, I, and then his size fits with the NBA. He's pretty thick and he's athletic. He's like 256.8. Great small ball for um, body. Really, really nice. So, Murray fits the Sacramento. I thought that was great. And now they got Fox. They, they have four of the five starters already set. Lock them up, right? That's not bad. Sacramento can flirt with the plan. They can get there. They need a two-guard. How do you get Buddy Heald back? <laughs> right? They just, they, just, they just freaking got rid of him. But, like, look, they can keep Dante DiViencio. He's a restricted. Jeremy Lamb, I guess, they can resign. That's not great, right? They're going to need to definitely get an upgrade at the two. And that, I don't know how they get. But even if they, you know, bring DiViencio back or whatever, as long as they're healthy, that's an interesting team. So Murray really fits there again, like Murray as an outside shot for uh, for rookie of the year. I think it's a an interesting call. Check could get it. Check could get hurt. So I, I think Murray Murray. If I had predicted now, I think Chet will probably win it. Murray two, probably Pablo three. He's got to get the numbers. Pablo might win it because of the numbers. Fine. All right. What about the rest of the draft? How that played out? So Detroit. Look, Detroit did very well. Everyone's talking about Detroit. I didn't think, and I know I'm going to get flack for this or whatever, right? So the Grant deal, great. I, look, I like the swap that they eventually did. People are like, oh, they traded Grant for uh, the 25th pick. That was bad. They basically traded Grant, if you think about it, for the 13th pick and Kemba Walker's contract. That's a good trade. So at value-wise, they did great. Did I love the Jalen Durant pick? Not really. Having said that, if you were going to look to overpay Mitchell Robinson free agency or even DeAndre Ayton, which they still might, then I like getting Durant. Now, I don't know what their plan is. Is the plan really Ayton at the end of the day or not? I don't think they need to get Ayton. Let this team roll, right? This is a great starting unit. You have um, Cade, Ivy, Cade, Bay, Durant. That is nice. Now, look, you could go super big if you're really getting Aiden. I don't like that. I think Aiden would be um, not only the best, not necessarily the best fit, but, you know, it doesn't, it's not great. Now, look, if you're Detroit and you want to, like, get the team learning, in my opinion, you could use that cap to sign solid free agents 
that are going to drive your IQ of your team. And I think they need high IQ guys. I look at the Memphis tandem, right? So Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones, I think, are going to be more two of the more underrated guys in free agency. Everyone's going after Brunson. That's where everyone's target is. Okay? You could snag Jones. He's not going to be cheap. But I'd rather get Jones. And I know it sounds crazy. But I think Jones and Kyle Anderson are going to be better um, for the Pistons than, say, um, Aitwood, right? Like, you could start one of them. You could start both of them. You can play a lot more flexible lineups. I mean, and I think, like, they can control units. Now, look, Detroit still needs shooting, so that's going to be a need. Right, I gotta look back and see who's like a small ball four that can space or a three that can space, but but on surface this team looks pretty good. Detroit did great. Okay, um, Indiana took the best guy available for them. They did. So Matherin, you know, again, a lot of hype leading up to the draft. Buddy is a guy that I. Uh, would trade just cap for and try to grant, try to snag right now. And I think Detroit's actually a good idea for that, right? They have Kojo, they have Olinick. They don't need either, right? They have Isaiah Stewart back and they have Duran even before they sign anybody. Plus, I, I don't hate Luca Garza. So they have no need. I like Olinick, by the way, but they have no need for Olinick. And he got hurt last year. I don't, I don't think, like, you know, he's part of their future core. Kojo, they have Killian Hayes, Cade, and Ivy are going to be able to play point guard. I don't think they need him. So if they could, you know, drop trade those two, maybe a second rounder or something, and pick a buddy heel. That's actually going to do a lot for that team. I know it sounds silly, but that would be the move I did. And he's going to be more available now with uh, Matherin, you know, in tow. So that's the uh, that's the that's the that's the. Uh, the other thing I wanted to know, um, we'll get to we'll get to the big top. The big top is going to be the Knicks, okay? Just to kind of spoil it, we're going to talk a lot about the Knicks, but I'll keep going until the Knicks, and then we're going to spend some time with the Knicks. Sound good? Sounds great. Um, look, I liked. I was a little surprised um, that Portland took Shaden Sharp at seven. I thought they're going to get a win now guy. I thought Dyson Danos could be interesting. You let Lillard play a little off ball. Depends who they think they're going to get free agency. Portland's plan, the reason why Portland looks like odd and train wrecky, okay, is because they're about to sell the team. So they needed to clear long-term contracts. You can't deal Lillard. Let the new owner figure that out. And, you know, get some high upside guys, right? And I think, like, that's what they did. Um, but, look, I don't know. I don't know what Lillard's ambitions are. I, honestly, I, I don't. Which is which is my main struggle here. Okay, I just have no idea what they're thinking with with Dame. Eight, I thought New Orleans did fantastic getting Dyson Daniels. What's interesting about this draft is the top ten went. I mean, the order was a little different, but like those were the top ten guys. I think that's why it was interesting, right? To the extent. I mean, Sharp, I can make an argument maybe Andrew Griffin should get in there, but, you know, not far off. I thought it would be way more far off. Dyson Daniels, love it. Um, I think he's going to fit with McCollum. He fits off their bench. 
number nine, uh, San Antonio. Now, um, you know, this was also um, uh, a. I thought you know Spurs did fine, and then the Wizards taking Johnny Davis was fine, right? I mean, Davis Beal on a backcourt's good. Um, so all that, all that work, top ten kind of went more or less. I thought there was going to be a, a few more shockers. Pablo Banchero going one was a complete shocker. We're talking about this on the NBA conversation forum. What was it? Well, the NBA missed. Look, the NBA's got to put some cramp, clamps on this, right? Like. The draft is an event, okay, and it's like a game. And you, you want to be surprised by the picks. You want to be surprised by, like, some of the rumors and stuff that are happening. So, like, I'm fine with Woj and Shams, like, spoiling the trade rumors. Hey, like, there's going to be a trade or there's just a trade. But to spoil the draft picks is really, really silly. And the fact that he's like, you can't say who, and he's like, oh, they're leaning towards this guy or they really believe it's going to be this guy. That's the same thing. Like, that's just stupid. So it's like watching a game, like, you already know the score. It's so bad. So the, the NBA missed out on a shot for everyone to be shocked with Bancaro going number one because that was a surprise one. And, you know, that's unfortunate, right? The other time this happened was with Anthony Bennett with Cleveland. But that was, like, pre-Twitter days. And this was just a big miss, just a big miss that people weren't shocked by Bancaro when it should have been a shocker. Now, 11, the Usman Jiang and the trade. Let's talk about um, uh, the Knicks here a little bit. So, we just want to kind of crank through the top 10 of the Knicks. By the way, Memphis, I'm going to give a shout-out to them getting Jake LaRavia. I loved him. I know people in the draft like him a lot. Look, he went a little higher than I would have thought. He's going to be a, a, a – him and E.J. Lydell were the two sleeper candidates. I thought were going to be strong rotational candidates. Let's do a, a quasi-deep dive here on the Knicks. By the way, the other pick I like, I'm just going to mention picks I like late. Mark Williams, again, I know Charlotte took two centers. Mark Williams is going to be, uh, he's big, he's just a huge guy. So he's going to be like a Robert Williams type for sure uh, for Charlotte. I know they took with the 15th pick. And then Malachi Branham going to San Antonio, just a shooter. A guy you know is going to knock it down. Uh, he, I don't know saying he fits. They got Devin Vassell, but it's totally good. All right. Let's let's spend the next twenty minutes talking about the Knicks because that that's you know why we do this is because of the Knicks, which is ridiculous. I don't even like the Knicks, but the viewers do, so fine. So the Knicks, I think, did the right move in the sense that look, if you if you know two things, if you know you're not gonna have the guy you want at eleven, you, you trade out. That's one. Um, and this idea, and like, look, if I were them, if I were the Knicks, I would have just drafted A.J. Griffin, okay? But the Knicks are trying to play this little game, and the fans are just delusional, all right? This is what's going on, guys. If they were really looking to rebuild, and they were going to be like, look, we're going to roll out, as I think they should, two things would have happened if they were looking to rebuild. Tibbs really would have been either forced to play the youth, or he would have gotten fired. And they would have played the youth a lot more at the end of the year, and they would have lost more games, and they probably would have gotten the 7th or 8th pick, right, instead of the 11th. Would that really have mattered? Ah, you could have gotten Dyson Daniels, maybe. Okay? So, yeah, it's the difference between Dyson Daniels and trading out. That's one. Two, the youth, of course, would have played, and the youth is showing 
good sides. O- Obi Toppin played quite well down the stretch, as did quickly. And they would have found just a dumpy ground for Randall. Honestly, like they would have found a way to just unload him. Just like the Pistons did with Grant. None of these things happened, and they retained tips. So the fact that they retained tips, the fact that they didn't force out Randall, they're like, we're just going to keep on to him, very obviously tells me um, that their strategy is the same strategy they've been doing uh, since the dawn of time. They think they're a free agency destination. There's a couple of guys on the market they think they can get, and they're just going to go after those guys. That's it. And there's not really a plan B. There wasn't a scramble. There was, let's find a way to try to rip off. There. Here's the thing. It's always like, this is like an office kind of notion. You know, I remember listening to a, um, a review of the characters of The Office by, by the actors themselves. And um, Steve Carell, Michael Scott's character, famously said, if you're working in an office environment and you don't know who the Michael Scott is, you're the Michael Scott. Okay. Uh, that is the same case here, right? Same case. The Knicks think they're going to rip off the Pistons or rip off the Kings. Oh, let's give you your Randall and uh, 11 for four. You don't want to do it? Why not? Why not? Come on. Like, it's idiots. Of course they don't. No, you're the, you're the idiot. You're the idiot of the room. Okay. So you couldn't, you couldn't do a deal to move up. You couldn't. Uh, I'll say this. So value wise, they did well. Right, like what they got back for the eleventh pick is quite good. They took advantage of a situation. OKC, who needs to consolidate, Boston was in this situation a couple years ago, and I don't think the Heat took advantage when 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 or Charlotte rather, who took Kaminsky in the end, when the Celtics wanted to move up to get Winslow, Justice Winslow in that draft. I remember the year exactly, but Celtics were trying to move up to get Winslow. They were offering a, a, a bunch of load a boatload of picks, and um, the Hornets said no. They love Frank Kaminsky. He's out of the league. So these draft. These draft classes are fizzles. You want more bites at the apple, and you want to spread those bites out for assets, for whatever, right? Especially if you don't like the guy in 11, especially if this draft is, is meh. It's an average draft, and the next couple drafts are good. Great. So the big problem to me was they got four picks. That's good. I don't even care about, like, oh, the value of this or that. That's good. That's good value. Getting four picks, even if they're protected, whatever. Some are going to be based, some not. I think they'll eventually all be first-rounders. Okay? In, so, in some form. Fine. My issue is... So now you attach Kemba in that deal. So basically, you moved... Um, you know, one of your picks. You gave it to Pistons, whatever it is. So they actually really got... So they got four... And, but the move was to clear cap, which is just weird. I don't think they wanted to pay a rookie. And they were desperate to get rid of Cam. But they just traded for, like, the whole thing makes no sense. Like, last, you know, not trade deadline, but a little before, they acquire Cam Reddish. They never play him. This is just, like, awful management, honestly. It's, like, really bad management. Really, really bad. And now they're trying to trade him to move up for Ivy. Like, when did this guy get value? You just diminished his value. The whole thing is so silly. Honestly, just so stupid. 
So yeah, I think they definitely uh, they better they better they might as well just be side cameras. But here's my situation on the Knicks. So they obvi- they're obviously gunning for Jalen Brunson, obviously. Okay, and this is just like the worst. So I'll, I'll just replicate some other scenarios where this occurred. All right, in in I forgot what it was, 2009 maybe or whatever, right? So they, they missed out on LeBron and Wade. They got a consolation prize for Samari Stoudemire, and they had a string of, like, decent seasons, but they made this come around once. It wasn't that good, right? And that was the best iteration of missing of a plan B and after a plan A falls through. That was the best. The other years, right, you missed out on KD, so you get Randall. That was recently. I, I just think there's a high likelihood you miss out on plan A. And my take for them is the plan B might be better than plan A. What's the plan A? What's the plan B? This is what I would do if I were the Knicks. They've kind of pigeonholed themselves in this, like, weird bubble. They have no shot at contention right now. Let's say they get Brunson. They're going to have to overpay. They're going to have to pay him at least 25 to $30 million. That is insanity. He's a defensive liability, and now, like, you're just going to roll with him. And even if, he, if he's okay, he's just going to be a low playoff seed for the next couple of years with little chance of improvement. Because, like, you're going to play the youth a little bit, but it's still not great. Okay? Here's, in my opinion, what the Knicks should do. And I know people are going to call me crazy for this. I, I honestly think, I know he's ruined. I know the whole thing. If you could offer Kyrie the max, right? I mean, what does it cost? If you, you have to get rid of what, one or two more picks to dump Fournier, let's say. And if you do that, you might be able to get Max. That's the move. Is Kyrie Irving? I know it sounds crazy, right? Like, but I think that the Knicks have a chance to, to completely screw the Nets. That'll be fun after they miss out on KD. I think that's interesting. And let's let's go through best, worst, and middle case. Let's go through both scenarios. If you get Brunson, and let's say. He plays as well as he did in his peak. He's 27, 28, right? Like, he's not going to get better. It's ridiculous. Like, this is his peak. Maybe he flirts with the All-Star team. Maybe you're top four at the All-Star break. You're probably going to be sixth or seventh. Your best case is sixth or seventh. Your worst case, he doesn't play as well as a defensive liability. You're 10 or 11, and now you're just cap, cap hold. You're cap hell, and you have some of these picks still. Okay. So your best and worst is a great. Kyrie... You can get Kyrie. You can get revenge Kyrie. Like, look, I think everybody has some kind of killer mentality. If you're like, Kyrie, listen, we're going to take you with open arms. And you take him. I mean, if you get Kyrie in FU mode, that's pretty interesting. And I think he, if he could play 60, 70 games, he's a top 10 player. And, like, look, if you're Kyrie, don't you want to prove the doubt is wrong? Like, I got to believe he's got some inkling some, right? And, like, look, he wants the max, and I understand he made a mistake and all that, but he makes... Because here's the thing. Even if Kyrie plays 40 games, but he's still with the team, he practices, and he's out a little bit here there, 40 to 60 games, he's in the playoffs. Nobody wants to play that team in the playoffs. Nobody. And and I think Tibbs could hopefully formulate him. Like, I know it sounds insane. Like, I, I, like, I hate Kyrie. I don't like him as a player. I mean, I don't like him, like his attitude and stuff, but I think he could turn it around. And I think it's just still, I, I'm sorry. It's really rare to get a top 10 talent. And if you get a motivated Kyrie, he could be an MVP candidate. 
That's your best case. And if you have Kyrie playing in an MVP way, where he's now the number one guy, Randall's two, Barrett's the third guy, you can fill out the rotation with, with Grimes, Reddish, you know, uh, if you got rid of Fournier, Burks is still useful, Rose quickly. It's pretty good. Toppin, you keep Mitchell Robinson. I mean, that's a pretty good team. And Killer Kyrie, I mean, if you get if you get the right seating and you have to get a little lucky, you can make the finals and win the title. Your chances now, they're not, like, great. I'll say this. If the Knicks got Kyrie, here are the, fo- the following teams, in my opinion, would have a better chance of them to win the title or a better chance to win the East. Okay? So Boston, Milwaukee. Now, because what you did was you did a double move. Now Brooklyn gets screwed. Unless Simmons comes back and is the real deal, whatever, you screwed Brooklyn. That's really good. So now Brooklyn's no, you're a bigger threat than Brooklyn. You usurp Brooklyn in this move. And honestly, it's Boston, Milwaukee at the top. I think your chances are better than Miami. I get it. They're a three-pointer away. They're, they're, they're losing. Your chances are better than Philly. That looks like a train wreck. Harden looks like he's deteriorating fast. Irving looked good. Irving is still really good. He had an all-time game in game one against Boston. Tatum just hit a buzzer beater, right? Like, like, let's just be real for a second. He had a fantastic game. Let's not act like this guy is still not good. He's got, like, an attitude problem. I get it. But if you could – but the COVID thing is no longer an issue, okay? I know he gets injured. You have Rose and you have Quickly who could play some point. You have Burks who could play some point. You could easily survive. It was a red light, dude. Easily survive. Easily, if Irving plays two-thirds of the season, as long as he's healthy for the playoffs. I don't think, like, look, no one's going to be able to, the Nets the Nets are salty, okay? They're salty, right? He, he you know, he kind of was like, he played this whole thing, they're trying to be nice, and then just got really, really frustrated. So they're super salty. But if the Knicks are smart and they do a little, like, covert operation a little bit, I don't know how else you would call it, and they they tell, you know, someone on the Knicks talks to the agent, I don't know, it's tampering, I guess, but they're like, if, if they could, you know, get the dove bird over to Kyrie's camp in kind of a secretive way and let him know, hey, just don't opt in. Don't We will give you the max. Because right now the issue is, Nobody who has max money is, is you know, has enough to pay him. And I think um, teams are trying to get a little too, I want to say clever, you know, oh, they, they're sick of player empowerment. I get it. It's not a good look for player empowerment. Totally get it. But you're the Knicks corner themselves in a scenario right now. They couldn't move Randall. So if you have Randall on the roster, you're going to be competitive enough to keep getting the Chicago book, the, the Bulls type picks, the 7-2. to 13 ranges, and you can't rebuild 7 to 13. That if the Knicks, the Knicks have two options right now. I'm sorry. Sometimes in the NBA, there's a fork in the road moment, and it's like, are we rebuilding or are we playing for contention? Okay? And right now, for the Knicks, they have this little fork in the road moment. They've had it for a couple of years, and, and everybody was like, rebuild. And I agree, you should rebuild. But they're not. They're just not. So fine. You're unwilling to. They are unwilling to rebuild. They have an opportunity to rebuild. They're better off literally waving Randall, in my opinion. If I were them, I would I would dump him on all. I would just wave him. 
at this point. I mean, I really would have dumped him to Portland or whatever. I could still dump him to Portland. I'm just going to TPE. Who cares? And I would try to go for a top four pick in these next two drafts because they're going to be really good. And develop Toppin and develop quickly. But they didn't want to do that. So that's my move. If I'm the Knicks GM, of course. But Dolan doesn't want to do that. They want a big name. Fine. You get Kyrie. I think you could spit it off PR-wise. I, I do. I know people are going to be like, oh, they're going to be initially pissed off. But they're going to be excited. They'd be like, well, hold on a second. He, he's just so such little, so little. I know it's like, it sounds like a horrible like relationship, right? He needs, he needs to show so little for Knicks fans to get excited. If he just goes to the presser and he's like, look, I know I have this reputation or whatever, but I'm excited to be in New York. Or just like, hey, I'm excited. Or like, I'm here to win. And that's it. And he just shows up to the presser. The whole fan base is like, fuck it. Uh, we want a billion season tickets. Let's go. You'll see. Right? And then he, if he plays and has like a decent game, everyone is going to be absolutely amped. The Knicks have not had. When they had Mello, it was popping. And this could be like the early years of Mello. Like, tell me, oh, the whole Mello thing didn't work out. I don't know about that. The Mello thing, in retrospect, kind of did work out. The rest of the pieces didn't really. And also, to be honest with you, I, I, mean, I think Mello, I think Kyrie's better than Mello. Mello was a high usage guy who was not that efficient. Kyrie's better. He he just is. He's a better player than Mello. Mello was a little overrated. Denver was better uh, when they got rid of him, right? I mean, they, they had that deep team with Iguodala and Gallo and, um, you know, the two bigs and all those pieces. So I really, I don't love, I, 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 I it sounds crazy, like, Keep everyone's like keep Kyrie away from New York. Look, you got to be smart as a GM. You got to be smart as a fan base, right? You buy low, you 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 buy low and you sell high, okay? And that sometimes happens with free agency. And it is rare, it is rare when you're a defunct franchise like the Knicks are to have an opportunity to get a top ten player at max money, okay? It is the best deal, the best value in the NBA is a top tier talent. At max dollars, right? LeBron James is the biggest bargain in the league. Giannis, they're all the biggest bargains. Because there's a cap, right? Anytime you get a... Because there's few of them. There's only five to ten guys like that. That could carry. That could be the number one guy in a title team. How many guys could be the number one guy in a title team? Like five to ten guys? You take the risk. Of course, these other guys... The worst value is the mid-tier. Is the next tier. The worst value is the guys who are like... Not all-stars, you know, they're pretty good. And then you sign them to, like, near max. That's the worst deal. There is a gap of talent the size of the Henry Hudson between Brunson and Kyrie. Let's not get stupid. So I, I, I really like this. I love the idea of a motivated Kyrie. I think it would be great for the league. And that's the move the Knicks should do. There's, and the, the Brunson thing is so – it's so obvious – and it's just so dumb. And you know, look, I never did. I never really agree with Stephen A. Smith. I mean, I, I just don't. I, I you can't not agree with him here, right? I mean, like he's right. The whole thing is silly. It's just, it's just absurd. And it can get, you know, it can get a lot of people annoyed, and rightfully so. I get it. I get the annoyance. I do. Absolutely makes no sense, but look, there, there's a decent chance, decent, that they're not going to do it. They're like, and, and, and people just like, 
They just follow the, the herd, the sheep. Everyone's like, yeah, Kyrie's annoying. Look, I get it. He's annoying. Who wants him on, right? Like, you know, ugh, you don't want a guy like that. Come on, Eitan, really? You're going to tell me? I, I think given, and again, I want to make sure people understand this point. Given the fact they, just given what they did, right? That's all I'm saying. Just given the fact that they, they pigeonhole themselves, That's my point. It's a great deal. Given the pigeonhole. You want to try to contend this is your shot. And if you're Kyrie, look, he might say no. I don't know. But, like, are you really going to take the chance to opt in for 36? You don't have to move. And you stay. And you stay. To me, I I've never heard of a more um, uh, obvious no-brainer than that, honestly. It's, um, it, make, it makes too much sense, right? But look, we'll see what they do, and, uh, yeah, you know. Let's see. Let's see what happens. All right, we'll be right back.